I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez. What a finish. Walcott's going to go through and score. Into the middle. Giroud is two. Hi, I'm Russell Hargreaves. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 24th of August 2015. On today's show, Hector Bellerin talks to us about avoiding the dreaded second season syndrome. James Ollie will take us through the final few days of the transfer window. And we remember a Gunners cult hero in this week's history lesson. But let's kick off with the weekend review. Well, not quite the weekend, Monday night to be fair, but uh, that was certainly Arsenal's last game and they faced their biggest test of the season so far, of course, as Liverpool visited the Emirates and it was the Gunners who thought they'd opened the scoring on just eight minutes through Aaron Ramsey. Here is Monreal, now it's with Ozil, switches the play to Santi Cazorla, central position, looks to slide it through here, great ball for Ramsey and that's a terrific goal, however, the offside flag is up and it will not count and that must have been tight because Ramsey seemed to have timed his run to perfection. It's a great movement from Aaron Ramsey. Fantastic ball from Santi Cazorla. Just slips it inside Nathaniel Klein. Aaron Ramsey getting on the blind side of him. And uh, I'm afraid to say that the assistant linesman has made a a big mistake. Replays showed that Ramsey was clearly onside, a let-off for the men from Anfield, who came back into the game through Christian Benteke. His excellent chance, though, saved by Peter Cech. Bellerin then looks to knock it forward, it hits Coutinho, now it's with Firmino on the left-hand side, a low ball in, Benteke must score, that's a terrific stop, is it? Well, somehow, Pedacek has smuggled it away, and it's a corner for Liverpool, Benteke look massive odds on to score. You have to say, that's going to be one of the saves of the season, again, we're putting ourselves under, uh, under the cosh, Bellerin giving the ball away, comes to Firmino, Benteke should be putting it into an empty net, and Pedacek has moved his feet from the near post very, very quickly, Fantastic fingertip save with his left hand. Czech produced a moment of magic on 44 minutes as well, tipping Coutinho's curling effort onto the post. It'll come back out towards Coutinho. Coutinho looking to drop a shoulder inside the penalty area. Twist turns, gets the shot away, hits the post! Well, he's been denied by the bar and the post here, Philip Coutinho, in the opening half. I think Petacek might even got a touch. Coutinho twisting and turning, turns Bellerin one way, turns the other. Oh, and I think he's got a fingertip. It's I think it's his middle big finger, uh, Petacek, that has just diverted on. You've, you've seen two world-class saves from Petacek. Arsenal improved in the second half, their best chance falling to Alexis on the hour mark. Let's see what Arsenal can do with Ozil ghosting forward on the right-hand side. Now it's with uh, Santi Cazorla. Thought about the shot, looks to get the cross. It might fall here for Alexis. Oh, he's hit the post, I think. Did the keeper get anything on that? Or does it just crash off the outside of the post? And out for a goal kick. The Gunners looked the more likely to break the deadlock in the second half, but it would have been tough on Liverpool, who were the better team in the first period. In his post-match press conference, Arsene Wenger spoke about his team's search for fluency in the final third. Second half, uh, I uh, think we should have won the game. We're a bit unlucky, a bit uh, relaxed still, a bit uh, physically and... uh, and, uh, 
collectively to finish well what we start and uh, our game is still not fluent enough in the final third and that's why we don't score. I believe as well that the West Ham game left a trace in our heads and uh, it was important tonight not to lose because uh, you could see that it was a shock for us and it was important uh, tonight uh, to get that game out of the system. Peter Cech produced a man-of-the-match performance and in the process took another step toward the all-time Premier League clean sheet record. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm here to help. You know, the first game obviously didn't go the way I wanted, but uh, now that I try to always prepare and, and do the best. Uh, and uh, today, obviously, I'm very happy that I, I helped my teammates to, you know, to overcome a difficult moment. And, and then uh, it gave us a chance to, uh, to search for the winning goal, second half. And obviously, we scored one goal, which was not, uh, which was disallowed, which is a pity. But uh, you know, I think overall we can we can take. Uh, lot of positives from the game, so you know, I think uh, we need to move on. You're listening to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hector Bellerin had a breakthrough season last campaign and the Spanish right-back spoke to Arsenal media's Nick Brumsack about guarding against second-season syndrome. Well, um, I've heard a few people talk about uh, these things, second-season syndrome, but I don't really don't believe in, in it. You know, I think... Um, you know, after a breakthrough season, what you got to do is just keep going from where you left, you know, and uh, I think people say, yeah, but people know how you play now, people, you know, know the way you play, but it's like, yeah, but I've got the confidence that I know that I've played 30 games already, so I know, you know, I'm more confident in the game, so I think it can always go both ways. It's very difficult in football to always perform at your best level, you know, you know you're going to have ups and downs. But that's got nothing to do with first or second season, I think, which is me personally. I just need to keep training and playing the way I was doing um, last year, keep keep learning, keep getting experience and, and hopefully having some good performances. There's real strength at right-back, isn't there, with yourself, Matteo and Callum as well. What do you make of the competition for that starting spot? Well, I think the competition in in the team, I think in every single position, is, is really strong, you know, and that's, that's going to make the team train harder, uh, perform better and, and you know grow as players because we have to give our best. We know we can relax, we know we can't just take for granted the, our starting position when we have it. So we just need to, even when you think you're going to play, you need to train hard because otherwise it's on to the next one and you're going to be on the bench. You know? So I think that's very good and all the su- successful teams have that kind of, you know, battle in, in every single spot because that keeps you on your feet and, and makes you perform better. Of course, it's your second season as a first-team player. Have your own expectations for yourself changed at all? Well, I think I'm still at that um, growing, learning um, age, you know, and for me it's just keep getting minutes, hopefully, and keep learning, keep taking everything on board and, and you know, and trying to help the team in the same way that I was doing it last year, you know. Obviously, um, Every year I have to push myself more and more and more. But my target is just to, to keep learning and keep getting better and, and hopefully play more games than I did last year. You know, I know it's gonna be difficult with Matthew back now, but I'm just I'm just gonna keep training hard. There was a lot of talk last season about who the fastest at the club is. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to race Theo yet this season? Well, we did uh, we did our sprint test this year again, and uh, I came up first again. You know, I'm not gonna get into into numbers, but um, yeah, for the second season in a row, I was the fastest player in the team. So, 
I think I think Theo has to <laughs> has to kind of like give up now and and give me and give me the 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 record, you know. But you know, next year is gonna be another one, and there's gonna be new players. There's gonna be you know people that are working hard to get quicker, and you know these things always change. But I always say the same. What is important is that you know me and Theo and and the whole squad we just use it to to win games and and to help the team perform. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, you can hit him. Oh, the free goal! It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! So it's half-time on this week's show, so that means it's time for another history lesson. Back on the 26th of August 2000, French international striker Sylvain Wiltor joined the club from Bordeaux. He was voted the 33rd in Arsenal's greatest 50 players of all time. Here's Tom Watt and sports writer Sue Mott discussing his induction to that list. And, you know, it wasn't very easy to win at Old Trafford. Witness our massive losses over there over the years. And who should get the ball and be presented with a chance? But at than this player who Arsenal bought as a striker. In fact, he broke their transfer record, 11 million. He was even more expensive than Thierry Henry, think of that. And what happened was Wenger must have really wanted him to push the boat out like that financially. And he obviously thought this player hadn't quite lived up to his expectations because soon Will Tord was pushed out to the wing. And well, as we know, Thierry Henry went up to make that striking place his own. But on this occasion, 2002, he was in the right place at the right time to score the goal that won Arsenal. That stupendous, wonderful second double for Arsene Wenger. And it doesn't get much better than that. Absolutely. And it has to be said that evening in the absence of Thierry Henry, who wasn't, it didn't play at Old Trafford. But I, I have to admit, I would argue the toss for you about Sylvain Wiltord. I know exactly what you mean. He, he, People would throw up their hands. The ball would get surrounded by these beautiful and gifted technical players. He was one that the ball would come to him. It would bounce off his shin. His, you know, his, his second touch was often a tackle. But for, for hard graft, the fellow was completely irrepressible. And it was that, perhaps rather than his technical ability, which made him not only a fixture in the Arsenal team, but a fixture in the France team, the international team as well. Well, that's true. And he had a backside like John Radford. So maybe that counts for something. I'm trusting that you're an expert on these matters. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I I wouldn't dream of arguing the toss with you, sir. <laughs> Walter played 175 times for the Gunners, scoring 49 goals in the process, including the winner on that night at Old Trafford, which clinched the 2001-2002 Premier League title. Oh, a mistake by Silvestre. And here's uh, Wiltor. And Jungberg! He's in again! Pushed out by Bartes! Wiltor! Arsenal have scored yet again in the Premiership and it might just be the most important goal of the lot. Silva Wiltor, Manchester United nil, Arsenal won. Arsenal are the champions. They've taken the title away from Manchester United. They've done it here at Old Trafford. And they have done the double. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Well, joining me now on the line is James Ollie from the London Evening Standard. James, long time no speak. How are you doing, pal? 
Very well, thank you very well. Um, first of all, do you think that Arsenal will be active in the remainder of this transfer window? Uh, I think they'll be reactive rather than proactive, if active at all, if that makes any sense. I think that the situation is really that they are open to trying to sign a top-class centre-forward if one becomes available. Um, I think we all know that the, the top target, Karim Benzema, is um, basically Arsenal have had absolutely no um, interest from Real Madrid in doing a deal. And the player himself yesterday came out on Twitter and sort of put an end to it all by taking a picture of himself in the Real dressing room and saying this is where he wants to be. So it, that, that deal very much was dependent on Real deciding that they wanted to sell and, and, or, or Benzema obviously making himself um, available through trying to force to remove him. Given that neither of those things has happened, it's now a case of turning to alternative targets if and when they become available. Yeah, we've heard from Arsene Wenger on the podcast already talking about that search for fluency in the final third. So do you feel that's the key area that Arsenal need? Well, look, they, they started the year knowing that they wanted a defensive midfielder and a top centre forward and, and, and those are the two areas that they scouted Europe for and, and Benga was asking his scouts to compile a list of possible targets in those two areas. The emergence of Francis Coquelin and I know that's a divisive issue for a lot of Arsenal fans as to whether he I mean he's done very well since he came in um, almost a year ago but uh, is he good enough to lead a, a title winning side in that position through the course of a whole campaign and of course what happens if he gets injured does Mikel Teta or, or Matthew Flamini still have the, the strength and the drive to be able to um, anchor a midfield like that but that's really Coquelin's situation has, has changed their thinking as far as they feel that they don't need a defensive midfield now um, so they are only looking at that at that centre forward position and, and again that brings into a, to play another debate which is whether Olivier Giroud is actually good enough to win you the title. Got a couple of tweets in from our listeners. Uh, Paul Ockenquera says, uh, a top striker and a top defensive midfielder are what we need. That's all, nothing more, nothing less. So James completely agreeing what you've said there. And Ad Ibula Motro says, our priority should be a young, talented defensive midfielder because it's going to be a long season. And, and that's the other thing, isn't it? Competing on different fronts in all these big different competitions, you do need probably two top quality people, ideally, in every different position. Yeah, well, I mean, the, you know, the defensive midfield role that's been referenced there. I mean, it, it is it, it's a, it's a tiring role. You know, it, it's a role that requires great concentration, great discipline, um, and you need good energy in there to be able to break up play and give the ball quickly to, to your teammates to go and launch counter attacks or you know, attacks themselves. So, um, you know, again, asking Cockerland to do that, I think if you put that to Arsene Wenger, I think what he'd say is, well, we have. We have Flamini, we have Arteta, we have Wilshire, who has played that kind of role for him, not so much for Arsenal, but he's another option there. So I think Wenger would sort of say, well, look, we're covered in terms of numbers, but it really is a case of, is that collection of defensive midfielders, do they offer enough quality to win you the biggest games and lift the biggest trophies? And that has to be a question mark. And I think that's part of the thing that frustrates a lot of Arsenal fans because the money's in the bank. It's not as if you have to take that gamble. But Wenger would say the players aren't there, the players aren't available to bolster. James, really interesting views and thank you very much indeed for joining us, mate. Thanks a lot. 
We just heard from at Paul Ockenquera and from at Ibo Lamtoro via Twitter. And we'd like to hear from you as well. So tweet your questions to at Arsenal using the hashtag Arsenal Weekly. And we'll pick out the best ones to answer on next week's show. Well, joining me now to preview the Gunners' trip to St. James's Park on Saturday is Adrian Clark. Clarkie, I thought you never left the Emirates. I can't believe you're not actually here in the confines of the ground and you're on the phone. What's going on? I know, most unusual. No, I, I've had to uh, analyse the match against um, Liverpool this morning, but uh, which takes some analysing, I've got to say. Um, but, um, but all is well, thank you, mate. Excellent. So, Newcastle United against Arsenal. Let's start maybe with the historical facts on what is a really, really exciting fixture, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I've got to say that even though Arsenal have a terrific record at St James's Park, in recent times, they've been difficult opponents for the Gunners. They've been extremely close matches. One goal has decided the last three. There have been several draws. Obviously, there's that never-to-be-forgotten four-all draw. But but in recent times, <laughs> they've been close for affairs uh, and Arsenal had to dig in. I suspect they might have to do that again this time around. So where, Adrian, do you feel that Newcastle can hurt Arsenal? Well, I think they can hurt them with their intensity. This is what happened in the match last year. In the first half, they were flat. Arsenal absolutely dominated and it could have been three, four or five. In the second half, when they get, got in amongst Arsenal, really closed them down in a similar way to Liverpool did um, this week, then, then I think they can, they can cause one or two problems, um, especially if there's a makeshift defence again for, for Arsenal. So, you see, yeah, if Newcastle really get, get amongst Arsenal, it'll be tough. And there's a feeling perhaps that Newcastle's defence is still not quite as solid as it should be, despite one or two additions. So is that potentially where Arsenal can hurt the Magpies? Yeah, of course. I look at the two full-backs and I wonder if they're weak links. I'm not sure if Adair Yangmat will come back from suspension or not because he had an awful start to the season. He'll be very, very nervous. And Bemba, the guy who came in for him, he hasn't convinced either. And although Colaccini is uh, had a terrific match at Old Trafford, I always feel like there's a mistake in him as well. So, so if Arsenal can get into the final third and sharpen up their play a little bit, you know, based on previous performances, I think they can really, really cause some damage at James's part. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. Um, so is it sort of wide players against full-backs that is your key head-to-head battle area or what? No, I'm looking at Giroud against Colaccini and Taylor, actually. I, I think Olivier Giroud... Um, he's playing OK, he's, he's holding the ball up and he's a real menace. Newcastle have conceded three of their four goals this season from headers. So if the Gunners can get the ball into the penalty box, I think Olivier Giroud you know, has the attributes to really hurt them. And of course, he scored on his last two visits there as well. So, so if Giroud can get the better of Colaccini and Taylor again, Arsenal will be in business. And Adrian, to conclude, in a sentence, how do you beat Newcastle? Newcastle lack pace, so I think Arsenal should hit them hard and fast on the break. That's how they can cause some damage in this game. Adrian, top stuff, my friend. Have a good week ahead. Will do. Thank you. And of course, you can join Adrian on Saturday for all the pre-match build-up on the Match Day show from 12.15pm live on Arsenal Player and on the Arsenal mobile app. That's your lot for this week's show. My thanks to Hector Bellerin, James Ollie, and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. We'll be back on Monday the 31st of August for the next Arsenal weekly podcast. And until then, it's bye for now. Come on, you gunners. 
Thanks for listening to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. You can listen to a new episode every Monday by going to arsenal.com or the Arsenal SoundCloud page. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.